Well, we are uh, certainly into summer. Does it feel like summer for you yet? Yeah, sometimes it, it kind of takes a little while to actually feel like summer, especially when you're not in school anymore. And, uh, you know, it's just like another week of work. But it definitely is starting to feel like summer. I mean, the humidity this morning, uh, the, I've got sunblock in my car. You know, I'm not driving any kids to school. Uh, it, it does feel like summer. And one of the big things for summer that used to be for me, like I would know it was summer when I took a trip to this place. And uh, you might, uh, you might you know, relate to this. So in Minnesota, it was a place called Valley Fair. In uh, Denver, it was a place called Elitches. And, and here it's called what? Worlds of Fun. Yes, Worlds of Fun. Amusement parks. Those, for me, that's like summer. I know I'm in summer when I've gone to an amusement park. So I haven't done that yet this year. And so you guys can help me. Uh, if you find discounts, let me know. Because I could use some discounts for Worlds of Fun. But that's like one of the ways I think of summer. Angela was sharing with me this last week about her first time. She went to Disneyland and she went when she was in eighth grade. And uh, she lived in California and her eighth grade friend said, hey, let's go to Disneyland. And she went for the first time. And she was so excited. She was like amped up, excited, looking forward to it, spending the day with her friends, hanging out and enjoying the park. And once they got to the park, they started talking about this ride, Big Thunder Mountain which is a roller coaster. And Angela had never been on a roller coaster. So her friends started talking about going on this roller coaster and her response was like anxiousness. She started to feel afraid, like it sounded scary. So she started tensing up and feeling stress and getting anxious. And then they got in line and she started feeling insecure and started being like, should I go? I don't know. And she was like back and forth. You guys ever been on a roller coaster? And you're like, I'm not sure. This doesn't look wise. You know, I'm not sure this is the right move. So she got in the, the, car, you know, for the roller coaster and that little lap bar comes down. And when it locked, she panicked. She like, like started jerking at it. She couldn't get out and it started to take off. She could not escape. And so she's stuck on this roller coaster screaming. And you know, some, if you've been on a roller coaster, at some point you start to move from fear to elation, to joy, to delight. And so it finishes up and she's like, let's do it again. You know, she had a great time, loved the roller coaster, but it was a good image for me this week of like, this roller coaster of emotion that sometimes we go through in life. It's like a physical roller coaster, but we, we've all been on the roller coaster of emotion. There's no height limit for that one, right? And you don't have to pay to go on, but there's a cost once you're riding the roller coaster of emotion. And I was just thinking about Angela, all the emotions she went through as she was thinking about riding this roller coaster. This summer, we're talking about wisdom, and I want to spend some time this morning talking about wisdom when it comes to our emotions. How do we engage with our emotions in ways that help draw us out spiritually and, and connect us to other people and connect us to reality? Um, in the wisdom book, the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 14, we read this verse, a peaceful heart gives life to the body, but jealousy rots the bones. So a peaceful heart, an emotionally healthy heart gives life. But a heart that's bound up in jealousy and envy and, and other negative things, it's like a cancer in our spirits. It, it injures us. It degrades us. It, it's like it rots our bones is what the, the wise person here writes in Proverbs 14. So I want to start with a little emotional brainstorming uh, with you this morning. I want to th- hear from you different emotions. Sometimes we limit our emotions to like happy, sad, angry. You know, that's all we got. But there's so many more kinds of emotions that we encounter. So I'd love your help right now just identifying some emotions. I want to start with negative emotions. So when you think of negative emotions, what, what kind of emotions come to mind? Just shout it out. Anger, fear, disappointment, jealousy, sadness. Irritated, hurt, right, good, good, that's great. So we're expanding our, our emotional wheel a little bit, seeing some other emotions that are there. How about positive emotions? What are some positive emotions that you can think of? Joy, laughter, 
gratitude. What was that? Excitement and peace. Yes. Optimistic, being excited. These are, these are good, positive words that we can think about. When the Bible talks about emotions, it anchors them to this, uh, this one image. We see it throughout the Bible. We see it in the Old Testament. There's this Hebrew word, lav, that shows up about 550 different times in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, there's this word, cardia. Sounds a little bit like cardiac, and that shows up 150 times in the New Testament. But that word, the Greek or the Hebrew, is translated in the Bible as the heart. The heart is, is like the storehouse of emotions. The heart is where our emotional life resides. It's where we gather. It's a place of knowledge and understanding. It's, it's, it's a place where all of our emotion, uh, uh, motivations come together. The innermost part of our lives, our heart. When the Bible talks about the heart, it's referring to, it's referring to the core of who we are. How we see ourselves, how we see others, how we see God. All that is wrapped up in our hearts. It's contained and cataloged and created all there in our hearts. There's another proverb, another wise statement in the Old Testament, Proverbs 4. It says this, you may know this one, above everything else, guard your heart. It is where your life comes from. Guard your heart. If your heart is the warehouse of your thinking and feeling and actions, then you need to set up some video cameras, right? You need to get some security doors in place, some swipe cards, key cards. That's going to restrict access. Who can come in and who can come out? And some of us have security around our hearts that would rival like the TSA at the Kansas City airport, you know? It's like nobody's getting in. It's protected. You can't pass through unless you got certain things in line in your life. Others of us, are, our security around our hearts more like, uh, like a public playground, you know, like people kind of wander in and wander out. There's just very little to slow others down. And the wise person, Proverbs says, a wise person is selective about who gets into our hearts, what gets into our hearts, and what we allow access to, the core of who we are. So we still talk about the place of our emotional life as a heart. You know, we talk about having a broken heart or I gave him my heart or I have a heartache. Now we know our hearts is, it's actually an organ, right? That pumps blood around our body, but we still use that, that imagery of the heart. The brain uh, is actually where our emotions hang out, right? Our brain is where our understanding is. For the ancient people, the Hebrew, the Jewish people, they didn't have, there wasn't a Hebrew word for brain. They were unaware of the brain. There's a Hebrew word for head, but not for brain. So they use this idea of the heart that we still kind of hold on to today. And to be honest, we don't know much about our brain. We really have started studying the brain about 60 years ago. We really started studying more in depthly what's going on with our brain. So I'm not an expert when it comes to brains. I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't know much about anatomy. I'm not a neuroscientist or a psychologist, although we may have some in the house. Any neuroscientists here this morning? Okay, well, so no one's going to know how dumb I'm going to sound in a minute. So that's helpful. That's good. I just want to share you kind of the base level understanding of a brain and there's lots of parts to the brain but I want to focus in on three parts and Caleb is going to be helping me here because uh, I'm tied to a mic so I can't get access to my props so Caleb's going to help me so this is the first part of our brain right here so Caleb if you want to turn that one around this is the the outer part of our brain when I think of the these parts there's the outside the inside and the core and so this outside part of our brain is the neocortex and this is where we think stuff this is our our cognitive center this is how we process thoughts, you know, way out right and wrong, good and evil. Uh, we reason with ourselves and with others in this part of our brain. When you're working on vacation plans, 
budgets and schedules that you're using your neocortex when you're working on a paper at school or getting ready for a project at work you're in this region of your brain for the most part next is the uh, limbic system and i can get this one caleb because i'm right here next to it this is the limbic system so this is the inside of our brain so we have the outside the inside the limbic system is where our emotions reside things that we were just talking about those emotions we were just mentioning um, you know, like fear and surprise and happiness and disgust. Those emotions are in our limbic system. It, it also holds on to our memories, which is why when you remember things, sometimes you feel emotions because our emotions and our memories are wrapped up together in our, our limbic system. That's where that takes place. The feelings, um, so you might forget like specific details about your first date or your, your first accident or your first loss, but you seldom forget the feelings that are associated with it because they're wrapped up together in this limbic system. And then we have the core part of our brain inside of everything else, this, this idea of a brainstem. So Caleb, you turn that one around for me. This red area, this is our brainstem. Some people have started calling it our, rept, our reptile brain because uh, it's the place where instincts and habits live. This is where we act. We act and react out of this area of our brain. Caleb, that's good for right now. I'll need you again in a minute. Thank you. Let's give Caleb a hand helping me out this morning. Thank you. So when you're hungry, when you're tired, when you get amped up, this all happens in that core part, the action part, the reptile part of your brain. So if we go back to that roller coaster image with Angela going on that roller coaster for the first time, she started in her thinking brain. This is going to be a fun day. I'm going to enjoy being with my friends. I'm going to enjoy, um, you know, the park and being together. And then they began to talk about going on this roller coaster and her, her feelings, her, the limbic system started getting engaged and she got anxious. She got nervous. Like she started feeling fear and tension around this. And then that lap bar came down on her, on her lap and she went to the action part. She panicked and started to you know, jerk and try to get out of it. Um, and, and that's kind of how that played out for her. Now it can go the other way sometimes as well. Like you're listening to me right now, sitting in your chair. Let's say a, a wasp came up and stung you right now, right? You would, you would act, you'd smack it, ow, right? You'd smack it, make a sound. And then you'd start to feel something because you're like, oh, there's people around me. I just made a loud, so you'd start to maybe get a little red in your face, start to get a little embarrassed about making noise. So then you would start to think about it. You'd slide down in your chair a little bit, and then you'd turn over to your friend and say, hey, you got any ice in that cup? I, need, I just got stung. I need something for my, st-. you know, you'd start to figure out how am I going to feel better. So it can go either way, the way we respond. Our emotions are connected to all of these areas. How we think affects our emotions. What we feel Affects. Now, sometimes we think feelings and emotions are the same thing, but they're not. They're different. They're connected, but there's a difference between those two. Our actions are informed by our emotions, how we respond emotionally. So growing in wisdom when it comes to our emotions means engaging in all of these areas, trying to grow in, in, in all of these areas as a, a unified human being. So when you think about what you think about, you're saying, I want to I grow in my knowledge. I want to grow in understanding. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read books. I'm going to listen to teachers. I'm going to grow in, in how I process right and wrong and understand the world. If you're thinking about your feelings, I want to grow in my feelings. I want to learn how to engage with my emotions and my feelings in helpful ways. And so I'm going to sit with a counselor or a therapist that can help me process why do I respond the way I do when these things happen. I don't want my emotions controlling me, my feelings controlling me. I want to be guiding that. You're going to think about how you act, the, the habits that you have, the reactions that you have. And you're going to say, God, I want you to transform some of this because I don't always react in the best ways and I want to grow in that. These are all connected together. 
One of my favorite writers and thinkers around the idea of our spiritual life is a man named Dallas Willard, who passed away a few years ago. Uh, he wrote a book called Revolution of Character back in 2005, and he was a professor of um, philosophy at the University of Southern California for almost 40 years. He was there, really a great thinker. And in his book, he said these words. I'm going to read this twice, but just listen to what he wrote. Healthy emotions, properly ordered, are essential to a good life. If we are to be formed in Christ's likeness, if we are to become like Jesus, to be formed in like his way of life, we must take good care of our emotions and not just let them happen. I want to read that again. Healthy emotions, properly ordered, are essential to a good life. If we are to be formed in Christ-likeness, we must take good care of our emotions and not just let them happen. If we want to be like Jesus, we need to learn how to master our emotions, watch over them, understand them, direct them in ways that bring life instead of taking life. We don't want our emotions controlling us. We need to grow in our ability to name and organize and engage with our emotions. So that we can be more like Jesus, is what Dallas writes there. Have you ever thought about if God has emotions or what kind of emotions God experiences? Is God an emotional being? Interesting to think about that. We believe that Jesus is God in the flesh, that Jesus is, is God, the Son of God and God himself. He's divine. He's human and yet divine. So did Jesus have emotions? That's another way to ask that question. We can look at the stories of Jesus in the gospel and we see that he did have emotions. There was time when the joy, the, the happiness, the joy set before him moved him forward. There's times when he was frustrated with his, his followers and his friends because they were trying to keep children and those with special needs away from him. And he's like, I'm here for them. Stop shooing them away. Bring them to me. He was frustrated with them. We know he cried at his friend's funeral, Lazarus. He experienced that, that sadness with Lazarus' sisters. Uh, we know that he was anxious and, and stressed out the night before he died on the cross. He was, sat in the garden and said, God, if there's any other way for this to play out, would you make that clear? But your will be done. So, so if Jesus experienced emotions, then we know God has emotions. In fact, I think being made in the image of God, part of the Imago Dei, the image of God in us, is that we are emotional beings. We have emotions. So if God has emotions and he is perfect, there must be a way to exercise our emotions in ways that are healthy and good and life-giving. Like Dallas Willard said, healthy emotions put in the right order are essential to our lives with God. And the Jewish people had a word to describe this level of order when things are in their right places, when things are connected in the way they should be. And, and uh, when we think about this, there's this word they had, and they had this word shalom. And some of you know this word. Shalom basically means peace, being at peace, being an unbroken connection with God and other people. And when we see Shalom first showing up in the Old Testament in the Bible, it's Moses. And Moses is talking about the ways of God. He gives the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. And then in Exodus 21, he starts to talk about some more specific instructions about when things don't go right between people. How do you make things right? And so Exodus 21, he says this, Moses again, giving talking to the people, saying this is how to follow God. He says, Suppose someone digs or uncovers a pit and fails to cover it. Then an ox or a donkey falls into it. The owner of the pit must pay full compensation to the owner of the animal. But then he gets to keep the dead animal. So the pit owner 
leaves it open, and a donkey falls in and dies. So the donkey owner has lost their donkey. Moses says there needs to be full compensation. That word compensation, that's shalom in the Hebrew here. The, the pit owner has to make the donkey owner whole, has to make it right with them because they've lost something because of their actions, the pit owner's actions. Now the pit owner gets to keep the dead donkey. So, I mean, that's a plus. We could all use a dead donkey from now and, now and then, right? I don't know what you do with a dead donkey, but the, Moses is great. He says, you can keep the dead animal, but you got to make it right with the animal's owner. That's that word compensation. Shalom means that we are at peace, and, and peace is a powerful emotion. Shalom means that we are honest with reality. We're honest with ourselves. We're authentic with others. When we experience shalom, it means we do more than just feel at peace. It means we're actually at peace. Not just feeling it, we're actually that. We sometimes settle for feeling instead of actually uh, doing the work to achieve the condition, the permanence. The work that is needed to experience shalom is an ongoing kind of work. True peace doesn't come easily. It, it takes acknowledging how we've hurt others. It takes honest reflection. We have to go to someone and say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? We need to offer forgiveness to others. And all that hard work, that, that's hard work. And instead of doing that hard work, sometimes we just settle for the feeling instead of the condition. That's one of the differences between feelings and emotions. Feelings come and go. Emotions have a little bit more permanence to them. Feelings are nice, but they don't last as long as true shalom. Feeling peaceful is not the same as being at peace. Feeling loved and needed is not the same as actually being loved, truly accepted in an ongoing way. Feeling happy isn't the same as experiencing joy, the permanence of joy. So if you give priority to sustaining feelings, you're probably not going to actually get to the actual condition of shalom if you're just going after the feeling. If I want to feel loved, I might do whatever is required for someone to give me their attention. So often we confuse attention and love. If someone's giving my, me my, their attention, I assume they love me, and sometimes I get that confused. Real love requires risk. It requires me opening myself to someone else taking the risk that I might be rejected. Real love calls for me to give myself away, and that's scary. So instead of real love, I'll just settle for the feeling of love. Again, whatever it takes to keep their attention. Whatever I have to do to keep their attention on me, I'll, I'll give up my, my money, my power, myself, my body, whatever it takes so they might stay focused on me because I'm after that feeling. But the feeling is less than the condition of being loved by someone, sacrificially, unconditionally loved, which is what we're really longing for. So back in the book of Wisdom in Proverbs, Proverbs 17, we read these words, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. It sounds similar to the one we read at the beginning. Broken spirit dries up the bones. A broken spirit is kind of the opposite of shalom. If we want to experience shalom, we're going to work on the center of our emotions. We're going to work on that joyful heart. We need to give attention to our hearts. And we've talked about heart already a bunch uh, the center of our emotions, where, where all that comes from. We have different kinds of hearts. Sometimes we have a broken heart. We might have a hard heart. We ask God to give us a pure heart or clean heart, a heart that trusts in God. Talked about how we need to protect our hearts. So when we protect our hearts, it increases the depth of our life, the quality of our life, the strength of our conviction. And all of that rises and falls on what we bring into our hearts. There's a passage in the New Testament that tells us about the best security for our hearts. If we want to protect our hearts, it says, here's the best way. It's not ADT. It's not the ring doorbell you got at your house. It says this in, in Philippians 4. Paul's writing a letter to his friends in Philippi, and he says this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, 
this peace of God, this shalom of God that we have a hard time getting our minds around. We really can't understand it. But this peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's the shalom of God that will protect our hearts, that will stand guard around our hearts. When we find our, our wholeness, our identity, our self-esteem, and the fact that we are God's children, that he is trustworthy and faithful and good, that reality will bring a powerful sense of peace that stands guard over our hearts, the emotional center of our lives. Most of you know I've got two older kids in our family, August and Brenna, and uh, they live in Denver. And when we moved here a year ago, they stayed in Denver and we moved out here. And as their dad, it was not easy for me to move away from my, my two older kids. You guys can imagine this. My heart, the storehouse of my emotions, the inner po- innermost part of me was, was sick. It was divided. It was pulled apart. There's a part of me missing. But, but I know that God is good and faithful. I know that he is with me. I know that God is with them. I know that he called us here to Kansas City. I know he's placed them there in Denver. I, I know that he is faithful even when I wish I could go over to their place and see their face and fix some breakfast and I miss them. My heart is held safe because I trust in God's shalom, that he is with them, that he is with me. And there's a peace in that. And because that my heart is safe, even though it's hurting, my heart is safe, I, I can act in ways that bring life and that, are, that bring hope and trust to others. When you act, um, you bring, you bring uh, God to life in, in powerful ways. As you face challenging days and difficult decisions, God is with you. As you struggle with finances and family members and broken friendships, God can speak over you and, and settle things down and, and help you act out in hope. And this action, this movement towards God, it has a word we put on it. And Caleb, here's why I need your help with this last one. Uh, this word is worship. This action that comes out of our lives because of the shalom of God and our hearts being safe in God is that we can worship. We can agree with what God says about us and who he is. The condition of our hearts, if we're healthy emotionally, shows up in, in how we worship how we acknowledge who God is and, and who we are compared to him, how we sing songs of worship and live lives of worship that acknowledge that there is a God. It shows up when we are, our hearts are protected and we are in the shalom of God. We see in the Old Testament over and over again, the Jewish people, they did not experience the shalom of God. They didn't have peace. We saw their hearts were divided. There were fights and quarrels and, and all this strife in their people because of who they worshiped, because they chose not to worship God alone but they followed the examples of the nations and tribes around them and they worshiped all sorts of fake no gods, small g gods, all these created idols and made up things that they worshiped. And because their hearts were divided and they were worshiping things that were not the true God, they were unprotected in their hearts and they didn't experience the shalom of God. Instead of worshiping their creator, they worshiped created things and their worship revealed that they had divided hearts and empty shalom. We want to worship the one true God and give him our lives. Back in the New Testament, Paul, again, he's writing letters and he writes to some friends and he says, here's what worship looks like. He says this in Romans 12. Brothers and sisters, God has shown you his mercy. So I'm asking you to offer your bodies to him while you're still alive. Your bodies are a holy sacrifice that is pleasing to God. When you offer your bodies to God, you are worshiping him. So Paul says, you got to take your physicalness all that you are, you got to lift, you got to offer that to God. And when Paul talks about your physical body, he's including everything in that. He, he means all that you are, your heart, your, your emotions, your, 
your, um, your spirituality, your emotions, your, your mentality, how you think about things, and your physicality. All of that is wrapped together. He says, offer it all to God. That's what worship looks like. And then he goes on. He says, don't live any longer the way this world lives. Let your way of thinking be completely changed. Then you'll be able to test what God wants for you. And you will agree with what he wants, that what he wants is right. His plan is good and pleasing and perfect. We feel emotions when we worship because we're agreeing with God and we're giving ourselves to him. So sometimes when we sing worship songs, we feel emotion. When we're serving others and and helping them find life, we feel emotion because God's working through us. When we sit with God and experience his creation, the beauty of his world, sometimes we feel emotion because we're worshiping him, because our hearts are protected and we're under his shalom, his peace that he's given to us. Paul says that we'll know his plan, his plan that is good and pleasing and perfect. That's shalom, good, pleasing, perfect, peace. That's what we're pursuing. As he heals our hearts, as he helps us understand our emotions and touches our lives with his power and his hope, we worship. That's our response. That's how we respond to him. Even when we can't see what he's doing, he's working things out in our lives. He's bringing hope and healing. Even when we can't feel it, he's bringing light and life to our lives. So this is, this is wisdom, worshiping God with our whole hearts as he stands over us with his peace and his, his strength, his shalom that holds us together. So let's ask God to help us live with emotional strength, to do the work, to understand why we feel what we feel and why we act the way we act and to get those in order. To understand that, you know, I started by saying, what are some negative emotions? What are some positive? You know, emotions aren't negative or positive. Emotions are things we experience. How we respond to them is what makes them negative or positive. So we can be angry and do real positive things. We can be frustrated and do real positive things. Let's ask God to help us identify those emotions and use them in life-giving ways. Will you pray with me? Let's talk to God together. Father, thanks so much for this life you've called us to. We thank you for creating us with emotions, this ability to connect deeply with with sensations and feelings, with uh, those around us, with our world, with ourselves, with you. Father, we, we just want to acknowledge our emotions don't always feel like gifts. They don't always feel good. So we pray that when we have emotions that feel out of control, when we're going through emotional seasons where We want to feel something different. Father God, would you bring your shalom? Would you bring your peace? And would you protect our hearts? And help us understand what you would have us do to to sense your presence, to engage with your words, to be your people, to become more like Jesus in the midst of our emotions. Thank you for a chance to be together this morning, to lift our our voices in song, to lift our, our hearts to you as we read scripture together. And we just invite you to continue to transform us that we might better reflect you to the world around us. We pray this all in your son, Jesus. It's in his name. Amen.